You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Michelle, I am delighted to be recording with you again. How are you today? Very well, thank you, Mel. And as always, delighted to be recording with you too, especially about another topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Yes, this has been on my mind a lot lately. So what we want to talk about today is when a company has decided that they want to have a DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion leader of some sort, where should it go organizationally and why? So let me start by asking you, Michelle, where should the DEI lead be? So look, the DEI lead should be, well, number one, in the perfect world, the DEI lead would have a seat at the executive table reporting to the CEO and then have an appropriately resourced team to lead what is often a transformational program of work, continuing program of work across the organisation. They should work very, very closely with all of their executive peers to coordinate that work and the implementation of that work. Okay, so help us understand why the DEI lead should not be under the umbrella of human resources. Okay, so there's some really practical reasons. And of course, the main thing is, well, let's examine the importance of the HR role and what the HR, the human resources person, executive is there to do. And it's, they have different objectives. They are there to ensure that the company meets all of its compliance. So people compliance measures. It's there to, you know, so from a legal and legislative perspective, it's there to manage and handle employee related issues. It's there to set a strategy around talent attraction, remuneration and benefits, you know, the compensation packages. And it's there to really ensure that the people leaders are placing appropriate attention and focus to those matters. In a 21st century workplace, the complexity around human resources, and this is a nod of respect to the human resources department, the complexity around managing workplaces with a lot of humans in it, often, particularly for big organisations, with humans in different geographies, with different legislative requirements, different industrial relations, because industrial relations is a huge part of of HR, that's a really specific skill set. And I see anything related to people kind of being lumped into human resources, has been lumped into human resources over the last couple of decades and HR becoming more and more generalist. Yes, they'll have pillars of work within it, but the executive at the table with the CEO who's got HR should not have to stretch beyond their area of expertise to keep having the, I guess, and this is not meant to be disrespectful, but it's at paying attention to some of the mindsets, having every sort of latest shiny bright toy lumped in with them because it doesn't fit anywhere else. It doesn't fit in the marketing area, doesn't fit in the sales area. This would be like giving the chief information officer, well, why don't you have supply chain? 
because you can have supply chain and perhaps we'll pop marketing in with you as well. It's a different skill set. It's a different focus, needs different strategic thinking. So HR has a whole bunch of things associated with it. A diversity, equity and inclusion strategist, which of course is what the executive should be, has related, of course, because it's about people and the workplace, has related, but a different, it's a different skill set and it's a different set of but aligned objectives. I'm going to throw something out there and ask you to kind of tear it apart. One of the things that I've heard in the past is that HR exists to protect the company. And of course, this comes up in the context of when an employee is experiencing something bad at work, they shouldn't necessarily put all of their trust in the HR team to help them with whatever they're dealing with. So I know that this varies tremendously by company. So when I think about this, I kind of think of it as if the HR function exists to protect the company, the DEI function should exist to protect the employees. But maybe that's too simple. So tear that down a little bit. Well, it is pretty binary. And I think both should be have the interests of, you know, we talk about being for the business, having the interests of yourself as well as the business in, at heart. Let's go back to why the HR department first existed because we haven't had HR departments. In fact, there are still, I guess, even some certainly small and medium-sized businesses that do not have dedicated HR resources. But the HR department really came out as a result of the Industrial Revolution and the challenges brought on by the fact that the nature of work changed dramatically and that people were no longer working for themselves, but then they started working in the wage and salary realm. And there was a dynamic where there was the bosses and the workers and the workers needed somewhere to air their grievances and the bosses needed someone to manage it, quite frankly. And I'm being quite blunt around that. I've been scooting around trying to, you know, research this. And interestingly, NCR, so the National Cash Register Co in America is credited with creating the very first HR department back in the 1930s in America, in the US. And they created that because their workforce had become semi-unionised. And of course, when workforce is unionised, they're putting a group of representatives to talk to the company. The company needed a group of representatives to talk to their union representatives in a knowledgeable way. So, Basically, the HR department really has to be very, very knowledgeable about the workplace, all of those compliance things. So, and of course, over time, as I said earlier, we've seen the HR department grow as the complexity of managing humans has grown, as our industrial relations and and all of the other things have grown as well. But there is conflict for exactly those reasons that you've pointed out, Mel, around the two departments. And the way I'm I'm actually going to put a different lens on it, I'm going to think about the HR department has almost is looking in the rear view mirror to manage compliance and things like that. Whereas DEI work, and I'm very confident in saying this is, as I said, this is transformational forward looking work. So the DEI work requires beyond transactional. And, And as I said, I want to be really careful here that I'm not diminishing the worth 
of the HR community because their transactional work is extraordinarily important, whereas DEI work is absolutely transformational. It's about a vision. What is the workplace of the future that we aspire to be so that our humans are going to be able to bring their very best self and as a result of them bringing their very best self to work every day, our organisation will benefit. And HR is looking at the employee life cycle and making sure that everyone, every part of that employee life cycle has an appropriate policy process, etc. As you can see, there are overlaps and there's absolutely ways that the DEI person to be helping with those parts of the employee life cycle, but it really is about looking forward. So the other thing here, Mel, is the DEI executive is responsible for weaving DEI into the business, not as a standalone. So I think if it stays in HR, you build walls around it. You build walls around DEI and it becomes just another HR thing. And I see this happening. This is just another HR policy, blah, 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 versus every single one of us is responsible for the customer in an organisation. And just the same as every single one of us is responsible for creating a workplace that works for people. So anyway, that's kind of my little bit of a take on what you've just said. Yeah, I've got more questions, but I want to say what you were just discussing kind of reminds me of analogous challenges that you and I have witnessed with ERG formation and how if there's a, let's say, conservative or cautious kind of company that requires HR to sort of oversee and manage the ERGs, then they do not become groups that actually make meaningful change. They become groups that are policed by a conservative HR, and that is not what an ERG should be for. No. And employee resource groups are a really important part of the overall strategy around creating workplaces that work. And I'm hesitating because I've got a real you know, live example. I've actually got two live examples at the moment in my consulting work where ERGs are being formed or reviewed or put onto steroids. And in both of these circumstances, my advice has been to the organisation, get HR out of the ERG or do not permit HR to oversee because we're going to disempower or disable the free thinking of a group of people who are representative of a certain demographic to help the DEI folks, the strategist, get stuff right for people, for customers and shareholders in that order. And if it's just got an HR focus on it, I think there are so many negative connotations around that, including the perception by folks who aren't quite there on the DEI spectrum. Oh, well, this is just another HR initiative and the HR police are here and, you know, which is pretty shitty stuff to say, but I'm off doing sales or marketing or customer stuff. I I don't want to do that stuff that HR have told me to do. So... Anyway, and I'm sort of talking a little bit about mindsets now. Michelle, can you help us understand at what point does an organization reach the sort of size or threshold where it makes sense to, say, hire someone to manage a DEI sort of initiative 
versus say hiring a consultant to come in and help them with it. You know, like I know there's going to be a lot of gray area here, but help us understand sort of sizing or what kind of triggers there might be to recognize like, okay, it's time to bring someone in to help us. I'm smiling here, listeners, because of course, this is exactly the question. This is why I exist and the work that I do. I don't know that there's any particular size, Mel, but certainly I'm going to deviate a little bit and answer the question in a, in a couple of different ways. I think for the smaller or medium-sized businesses, if you already have a dedicated HR function within your organisation, there's opportunity to say, what might we need to do here around diversity, equity and inclusion? And I think those organisations with less resources, let's face it, less ability to keep adding folks to their executive team or their layers, they're the ideal, ideal for to bring someone like me in to say, let's get some help to develop our strategy and our thinking. And part of that, for me, the process is let's diagnose first. We've got to do a diagnostic and say, what is the current state to then create what the future state should look like. So here's our current state. Here's our aspiration for our future state. What's the delta? What's going on in between and what do we need to do to close that gap? And for those smaller organisations, that can mean, and and, and interestingly, I'm working with an organisation right now and we're right at the beginning of that journey and they won't have the capacity for a range of reasons to put a specialised person on. And interestingly, it's the people and culture function that has brought me in. But I've said, you know, this is actually got to be a shared responsibility of the executive team. So my role in those organisations is to help shape the thinking around when once we've done the diagnostic, form a strategy, but then help them build the capability and capacity to implement that strategy. And that means it can't sit in HR because there's not enough resources. And those specialised resources could be many and varied. And of course, whether it's people leader training, whether it's mindset shifts, whatever it may be, it may be simple ways of doing work based on what, you know, this aspirational goal. So let me look at, for example, it might mean, let's say our recruitment practices, we've got to have a better attract strategy. Sure. When we've run it, we have a DEI lens over it. Sure. The HR department is going to make sure that the policy is in place to say, here's the policy about a diverse, equitable, and inclusive, that the diverse, equitable, inclusive organisation is going to follow when it comes to sourcing, you know, the hiring process. But it's the rest of the organisation that has to comply to that. So hiring managers want to make sure that they are running all of their job descriptions and job ads through a gender decoder, for example, if they're looking for more women or making sure that they're really seeking out and making it obvious that they're interested in hiring people from underrepresented communities. They're going to have gender balanced or culturally balanced interview panels. They're going to do all sorts of things. So that's HR can't be that. You know, that's got to be the business owning that. And then so this is the life cycle piece. So the DNI person, DEI person, whether it's someone like me who's independent and guiding or embedded within the business, gives guidance for each part of that process. In terms of size, I think when do you bring your own DEI person on? It's a I don't know, Mel. I actually don't know. 
if there's a, a set of parameters that say this is the time. I can't say whether it's based on the number of people you employ, whatever, but I would say it's look at the external environment. So what are the strategic forces or the external forces as well as the internal forces, but often we take an internal an internal view, but what are the external forces that are indicating that we need specialised expertise to take our company's performance to the next level? So if our company is, you know, good to great, Jim Collins, if we're going to maintain our competitive edge, how does this work? And this is where the OD person or an organisational design person should be, could be making a recommendation. This is how we need to organise and design our organisation to take it to the next level of competitive advantage. And in the people business, that may often mean we need specialised help to transform our workplace into one that has a really strong focus on DEI. And I think that that DEI focus is also about making sure that there's appropriate skill sets in the organisation to do what you need to do. And that may mean upskilling some HR for elements of it, but it also means, you know, have we got the right people, right place, right time, doing the right thing, but also making sure there's enough resources. Because right now, my biggest, biggest bugbear is that There's a lot of aspiration around DEI, but it's expected to be done as discretionary work by an already very overworked HR department or the the employee resource groups or folks who are just, and we know that women are disproportionately overrepresented in DEI work or people like us who go, I'm just, I'm sick of this, or I need to make a change in the organisation. So I'm going to take on this discretionary work. And that, that's a red flag. So I don't know that I've been particularly coherent there, but there's no one recipe, but it's looking at the forces. Yeah. So let's just reiterate here that DEI is real professional work. It's incredibly taxing, Oftentimes on someone's emotions, people bring a lot of emotional labor to this kind of work and it should not be done for free. People need to be paid for their labor. I shouldn't have to say that, but this is where we are. I also want to go back to pull my thread again around DEI permeates every area of the business. And this is where a very senior role can make sure that that is coordinated extraordinarily well and that skill sets are built across the business. So right now, one of my client organisations has formed an employee resource group around gender equity. And part of the purpose of that group is to be an internal consulting force to help with customer product design, for customer marketing efforts and customer service efforts. And that is an incredibly important part of this, that when we're designing new products, services and experiences for our customers so that they come to us, they stay with us and we get greater share of wallet, 
we need to make sure that we run a DEI lens over that whole process. This is not just about an employee life cycle. It's about that thinking to apply. I don't know if any of you've seen the funny uh, Ellen DeGeneres clip from it's a while ago now, but when BIC, the biro or pen makers made a BIC pens for women. And guess what colour they were? They were pink. And of course, and Ellen did an amazing skit on it, which was pretty relevant, which was really just said to me, you know, really? How did that get past the design stage? What bozo had that idea that we need to pinkify it and cover it in glitter and and then women are going to want it. I think Doritos made a, also had an epic fail around Dorito chips for women, which was, I vaguely remember that being ridiculously pink or something like that as well. So these are just some examples that you would hope that organisations don't hit an own goal. But if I indulge me for a moment, listeners here, as I, of course, talk about sport, with the recent Women's World Cup, the Soccer World Cup, some really interesting things came out of that around product design and also marketing, where it was clear that a DEI lens had not been applied. And part of that was Nike not manufacturing certain merchandise, i.e. the goalkeeper's merchandise, because no one buys goalkeeper merchandise and didn't make that available when the reality was that women wanting to buy merch said, where the hell, because these goalkeepers in the, I don't know if anyone watched it, but the goalkeepers were the stars of the tournament. And you see these amazing women and you want to go and buy their merch, blah, blah, blah. So there was a inequitable decision made somewhere that didn't have a DEI lens, didn't have an inclusion lens put over it. And we see that in, you and I talked on a previous podcast about personal protective equipment. So if I'm in procurement saying, all right, I'm going to cut a new deal with a supplier for all of our personal protective equipment, our uniforms, whatever it may be, I'm going to have the the skills or some checks and balances within my part of the organisation to say, I want to make sure that we cater for all of the humans. And that means unisex, no, that doesn't exist because unisex is just guys stuff cut down to size or whatever. We're going to make sure that people who aren't six foot one men who weigh 180 pounds, which is, you know, the standard male kind of size, we're going to go beyond that in terms of our design of our PPE and our uniforms. We're going to make sure that we have a uniform supplier that can cater for all of our humans. So this is where it's got to be threaded through the organisation and go beyond legislation, beyond compliance, which of course HR has to make sure that the people legislation and the people compliance matters are being met by the organisation. And this is where it's transformational, it's different. So yes, they're aligned. They swim in lanes next door to each other, but they're not the same. And, you know, we've got to be much more strategic about it. To kind of put a bow on this and wrap us up, I want to ask you to just speak to organisational leaders here about what their mindset and approach needs to be as they are looking to implement help from a DEI professional or even carry forward maybe an already established DEI program. You and I have seen plenty of DEI professionals who have been shunted under HR and how problematic that is. So help us see the way to hire that person into the right place or get them moved to the right place. So my message to organisational leaders tuning in is the same as the message 
that I gave to a set of organisational leaders two weeks ago today. This is your job. Diversity, equity and inclusion is your job. And it is not the job of the HR executive or the HR department. It is all of your jobs. To help you get better at your job and this part of your job, yes, you're going to need some expertise. Your HR department is not necessarily expertise. And in my experience, by and large, because this is a specialised skill set, you've got to be much more intentional about this and say, my, examine my mindset. It is my job to make sure that my organisation is diverse, equitable and inclusive, which means if I don't have those skills, our representation is one thing, but if I don't have those skills as a leader, those 21st century skills, I need to obtain those skills. But I need a strategy around that. Now, I need someone who's setting, helping us set the strategic direction and then helping us implement the strategic plan that comes out of that strategic direction. But it's a mindset, Mel, this is my job and how might I make sure, because it's my job to make the company grow. And just the same as I've got an IT department enabling me with the tools and the resources and the infrastructure to do my job well, just the same as I've got the marketing department that's making sure that our brand is out there and we get brand equity and people believe in us, just the same as I've got my sales colleagues out there selling our products to grow and I've got my customer service people looking after customers, I actually need to take, but, but I've, as an executive, I've got, I've got responsibility for all of that. I need to take responsibility for this. So it's mindset at the heart of it. And then if you're not expert in it, get help. We have so many emerging things, emerging technologies, emerging policies, emerging ways of doing work. And let's look at artificial intelligence. No one is an expert apart from AI people, but no one in business is an expert in AI. And we wouldn't dream to just go, all right, well, I'm just going to go off and do AI. I'm going to do AI. I know that's not the right expression. Without having an aspiration, a strategy, building the skills, but I need someone to coordinate that for me because I need someone who's expert, deeply expert to guide us as we build our capability and our capacity to implement an AI strategy. And that's the DEI is the same. It is a growth enabler. It is a transformation enabler. And You've just got to have the right people in the right place doing the right thing at the right time and lumping yet another thing into the poor old HR department who's already becoming very generalist is not the right thing to do just because it's got people in it. Lovely. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been a wonderful conversation and we feel strongly about this one. Most definitely. Oh, you know, never short on an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mel. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.